0: Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond
1: with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
0: out and have some fun sometime
1: yeah what do you have in mind
0: i've got just the girl for you well who my sister katie my oh, sister she's a wonderful girl nice kind yeah i bet she's got a great personality too no seriously well what's wrong with her what do you mean i mean that you got to fix
1: her up what's wrong Whoa, look, don't get sore at me.
0: No, forget it.
1: I didn't say that I wouldn't go out with her.
0: Don't do her any favors.
1: (laughs) What's she look like?
0: She's gorgeous. Way out of your league. (laughs) Does she have a phone number? Spare me. No, I mean it. Really, I mean it. Her name's Katie Logan. She's in the student directory. But I won't
1: tell her to hold her breath on Dave. Request permission to come aboard. Permission granted, sir. My name is Victor Henry. Friends and listeners, this is host Stephen Brittingham. Hollywood and Beyond began airing on an online radio network during the summer of two thousand sixteen. Eventually, Hollywood and Beyond expanded and premiered on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Google Play Music, and more. In September. Of 2018. My interview with Carrie Mitchum was Hollywood and Beyond's second episode. And are you ready for this? Aired live. This sentimental interview with Carrie covers her time on The Bold and the Beautiful as the original Donna Logan, her journey from actress to chef, and a cinematic legend. Robert Mitchum, who just happens to be her grandfather. In addition, Carrie discussed an event that was coming up over at the Paramount Ranch honoring her uncle, the extraordinary character actor, John Mitchum, that was to be taking place in September of 2016. As many of you know, Carrie Mitchum can often be heard doing show greetings for episodes here on Hollywood and Beyond. My interview with Carrie most definitely has a special place in my heart. At the time of this interview recording, I was using my original microphone. For this episode, there will be new, updated, classic radio-style clips from The Bold and the Beautiful and Robert Mitchum from ABC's epic miniseries, The Winds of War. I would like to thank Carrie Mitchum for her continued support over the years. I appreciate her so much. And I appreciate all of you listeners as well. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. That would be me, your host. I have a very special guest tonight, and that would be Carrie Mitchum, who went on an incredible journey from actress to chef, and we'll be discussing that with her. As you might have heard from those clips, she was there during the early years of The Bold and the Beautiful, also uh, worked with her grandfather, who just happens to be a cinema legend, and that would be Robert Mitchum. Certainly one of my favorites, no doubt about it. These days, though, as mentioned, she's now a chef, very talented, very skilled. Anytime I see photos of her food, it instantly makes me very, very hungry, and that's a good sign. Let's go ahead and get tonight's episode started. I'm very, very excited to welcome Carrie Mitchum. Good evening, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, thank you
1: for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this uh, for uh, all week long, and I'm so excited to to have you on the show finally. Well, um, I'll tell you what: I was uh, to start an introduction on you is uh, is uh, it could go in many different directions, but I decided to go right from the beginning, and that would be you. uh, You grew up in California. But it wasn't too long before you moved to another country.
0: Correct. Well, I was born, born in Los Angeles, but uh, when I was about five or six, well, when I was about four, we started traveling a lot. And then I think by the time I was six, we actually uh, picked up and moved to Spain so um lived there for a while and traveled all around Africa, Eastern Europe, and Asia while we were based there. so got a lot of traveling in at a pretty early age.
1: Oh, definitely, and uh no doubt that was probably due to your father's career um, also it being an was. actor yep,
0: it was, and also it was it, it was the kind, you know that's the kind of career where you can be based pretty much anywhere unless you're doing a television show. Yes. So even though we were based in Madrid, my dad was working all over the world, and we would end up going wherever he was on location.
1: And I'll tell you, your dad, you know, uh, uh, Chris Mitchum, uh, did a lot of work overseas. And uh, like you said, you know, you have to go where the work takes you. And at that exactly. point, that's where it was taking him. Exactly. <laughs> and I would imagine, boy, being overseas at a younger age, Uh, is this when you first kind of developed uh, an interest in cooking or learning about foods?
0: Oh, definitely. I think um, you know, I, I oftentimes was in places or schools, I went to 18 schools before high school and I think oftentimes I was in places where I didn't speak the language, and I didn't have any real common ground with other kids or people in general, except for food. I mean, everybody eats, and so it was sort of an icebreaker, and it became really interesting to me, but it also became a a point of acceptance, and so it became a really important part of my life.
1: And I'm sure you saw uh, all kind of different, uh, of course, dishes and approaches to to cooking meals, or, and I'm sure you also sound some uh, very unique dishes, uh, at the, to say the least.
0: <laughs> to say the least, yeah. There are yes. some things that I don't think I would be putting on any of my menus, I'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Uh, yeah. I hear you. Now, I was curious, though, uh, was there anybody else in your family that influenced you in cooking? Maybe someone that where you were like, wow, this person's a really good cook? She enjoys cooking, well, yes. and then that impacted um, you.
0: My maternal grandmother was a phenomenal hostess and cook, and she that that was one of the things that um, I always felt really good in in my childhood was going to her house because she was the one that really helped family together. She was the one that planned holidays and it was always centered around really great food. And so that to me was just another form of communication and acceptance in a very familiar way. And then later in life, I found out that my maternal Grand, my, my paternal grandmother's father was actually the head chef for Libby, you know, like Libby, Libby, Libby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that till till gosh, way later in life, and that her mother um, had a little uh, restaurant outside the factory where all the people would come for lunch. So I guess, you know, it was in my blood anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's nothing like walking into a room with a relative and uh, who's a, a really good cook and smelling their meals. Oh my gosh, um, right? You know, I was raised by my grandparents and my grandmother was an, an exceptional cook and she was famous for her soups. So you could walk mm-hmm. in and boy, that aroma would get you every time.
0: Yep. It's just such a wonderful, comforting homey
1: smell. <laughs> it is. I, I, I love this the, the smell of soups in particular. It's great. In fact, she yeah. would have dinner parties and... They would just request two different soups, and she wouldn't really have to make anything else. <laughs> well, there well, you ha- have it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well,
0: She should have gone into business.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If I could cook half as good as her, I'll tell you what. I'd be doing all right. Right. Well, right. living overseas, not just from a cooking perspective as far as what you learned, because obviously you did. I mean, just mm-hmm. what is the overall experience? in the places that you lived in, and, and how, when you reflect back on that, what do you remember the most? Um,
0: I I really, my, my mother is such a, a wonderful um, supporter of the arts, and she's so cultural, and she's so literate. And so one of the things that she always had us kids doing, no matter where we were, was going to cultural centers, museums, um, becoming familiar with the local music and architecture so uh-huh. I really appreciate that in her I mean it, we literally we live- we, I think the second day as kids, we went from Madrid to Manila. And the the second day we were in Manila, we hit the cultural center. I mean, she was really, really avid that we become familiar, not just with, um, you know, the, the pool at the hotel or what have you, but with the local um, arts and, and uh, creativity and, and just um, history of the country. So I, yes. I really... That yeah, I think it was something that I, I came away from. You know, by the time I got to boarding school for for high school, I think I, I not only had been, was well traveled, but I was well versed in in people as well, and in the heritage of various cultures, uh-huh. and respected the differences and the similarities. You know, just the human condition sure. in all these places. It was that was what I think um, was the most valuable, and I, I think that. You know, any children that are fortunate enough to travel, whether it's within their own country or just to another state or uh, other countries, whether it's Eastern European, Africa or Western Europe, where it's, it's a bit more Western, I think that as long as you get to be immersed in the culture and, and learn about the people and the history, it's such an incredible experience. And that's what I would suggest strongly any parent does that travels with young kids.
1: Oh, well said, Carrie. Uh, I totally agree with you. And before the show, we were actually talking about, you know, the value of taking trips and traveling. And and like you said, yeah. even if you can't go all across the globe, just taking a trip somewhere, will oh. you will learn so much and have so many memories to keep with you. It's true. Back to uh, being overseas, uh, which mm-hmm. you gave terrific descriptions. Thank you for that. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. And and, and all the things you learned, how fascinating that was and beneficial. So what brought you and the family back to California?
0: Um, it was sort of a long journey back. Um, my parents, I think, uh, maybe missed the states. I'm not really sure, but um, I went to boarding school. And so I think for me, that was um, just a source of stability which I really appreciated because it was nice being in school for a whole school year and not bouncing from three different schools and, you know, three different countries and I having see. tutors and nannies. And it was really nice for me to have some stability and know that I was going to be in the same place for a while. So um, you my actually liked it. travel.
1: <laughs> yeah. You actually liked it then for the stability reasons.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I went to a school called Stoutley Burnham. It's an all-girl school in Massachusetts, and it's a small school. It's 200 girls, and it was home, and I
1: absolutely
0: loved it. Hey,
1: that's great. So you're yeah. back in the States, and I'm wondering, with all of the talent in your family, uh, when did the acting bug you know, bite Carrie, or when did you go, hey, maybe I want to try I- this too?
0: You know, it's funny because after uh stoneleigh I I went to New York and I worked on Wall Street for a summer and I started I went to Dartmouth and so it's a, it's Dartmouth is not one of the Ivies, it's known for its theater program. <laughs> um, and um after my freshman year, I went to New York again and worked on Wall Street again and I really just um thought about it and realized that I hated working on Wall Street, and that um, the one thing that I really enjoyed and really knew well, the lifestyle that I was familiar with, was theater and acting and and movie sets, and um, so I dropped out of college and went to Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, studied with Sandy Meisner, and... um, pretty much right away uh, started auditioning after that and got the Bold and Beautiful. So in fact, Bold and Beautiful is pretty much the first audition that I really had. Um, I'd audition for a couple things, but that was before I went to school and I wasn't really prepared to do any work. You know, I, I knew I was leaving for school. And so, um, I accepted the position or the, the role. I guess it's not a position when you're acting. <laughs> and, um, and then that was that. And You know, I stayed with that for, for four years. I was on that show for four years and then left the show and did the movie The Weeks. And, but, um, in the interim there, after I left Bold and Beautiful, I went, uh, I did a movie of the week for Fox and then I hopped over to Rome and I started cooking. I was working for a catering company in Rome. I just really wanted to get away from the whole LA scene and acting and everything for a little while. And that's when I realized that cooking professionally was actually an option and I didn't get to it immediately. But, um, that, that's when that sort of took hold in me.
1: I see. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Excellent description. Well, hold that thought because I definitely want okay. to discuss that moment where you were like, you know what? I can do this. I can. I, 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 can I, I can be in the kitchen. I can be. I can be going down a different path. And but let's go right back to the bold and the beautiful. How amazing okay. that <laughs> one of your first major auditions and and you get the part. And it's interesting uh, for those who may not be aware, but I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are aware of this. But the Bold and the Beautiful was meant to be a sister show of the Young and the Restless, and I say that because although it was its own show, it was created by the same individuals, had the same yeah. touch. If you watched. The Young and the Restless and the Bold and the Beautiful, sure, they're their own shows, but boy, you can see the close-up camera work. You can hear the music. You can you can see all the talented actors. You can see quality, because when I think about the creators, William J. Bell, Lee Philip Bell, I think of quality, and wow, how exciting to be a part of a brand-new show that the Bell family put together for CBS.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, I mean... Honestly, when I when I auditioned and when I got the role, I had never seen um, a soap opera in my life. I think, I think maybe you know, one time I was homesick from school and got maybe annoyed because I couldn't find cartoons or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I had never seen a daytime tele- uh, serial in my life, and I certainly didn't know who the bells were.
1: Sure.
0: And I I, I really didn't care, to be honest. It was just like it was like a for me it was a place to to get paid for what I loved doing. So
1: sure. it was
0: a really great opportunity. And then the more immersed in the whole daytime T V culture I became and the more immersed in it, the more I realized just, you know, how how different they were than the rest of the shows on and how much better and how dedicated they were to that medium.
1: Well, another no. excellent description, boy. you have great descriptions, Carrie. Let me just tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I, I'm so glad you said that because sure, a lot of the other shows had some great actors and and lots of great talent even behind the scenes. but you 're right when you watch a Bell production there's just something different about it, and that 's what caught my eye years ago and uh, and that has a lot to do with uh Bill Bell. Because he was so involved with his shows, not just as a creator or a producer, but as the head writer. He was involved yeah. with the stories and the characters. What was it like meeting Mr. Bell for the first time?
0: Um, I just, I mean, I like I said, I really didn't have any notion of who he was or what he did, but I, I, he had the twinkliest blue eyes. <laughs> 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 and He was so sweet. He was so nice and, and just so passionate uh-huh. that, um, that he was, he was very easy to be around. I really enjoyed him. So wow. it wasn't, it wasn't, um, an intimidating or anything process for me at all. It was just, it was really comfortable and, um, I I loved his passion.
1: You know, that's when I think of uh, Mr. Bell. That's what I think of too—passion. And I've seen all these photos of him at his desk on his typewriter, (laughs) just working. Yeah. You know, and I love those photos (laughs) because you know he really cared about his stories. And I noticed that he liked to kind of start a story, explore it, and he liked to have big endings when he could.
0: Oh, definitely. And yeah, it's funny because um I, I Bradley, his son and I were were a couple actually for a couple of years and I, I lived with the Bell family and so that man didn't have, you know, nine to five hours. He woke up said, Hey, you know, I had this great idea. And then we would all be sitting at dinner that night, and he'd say, "Hey, you know, I have a couple shows. Let's watch them." And you know, it was, every second was consumed for him with the stories, the ideas, and, and just the animation. And about him, when he got these ideas, was fantastic. Wow. But it was it, it was it was it was his life. It was his life.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, when I think of him, I, I never met him, but. That's kind of what I have in my mind. So that's very interesting to hear. Very passionate man that was, that was, you know, courteous to others and he, he really cared about what he was doing. So I'm not surprised to hear about that. And so you're on this show and it's interesting to me. I love the setup. You've got the wealthy Forrester family, fashion designers in Los Angeles, owner of Forrester creations. Um, obviously they have deep pockets. And then there's the Logan family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 yeah. um as Stephanie liked to remind everybody lived in the valley and um <laughs> but you know what yeah. I love the logan family because you know the middle class family that's struggling to make you know ends meet and and you know maybe right. you have to w- work a little bit harder to to to, to pay the bills but Man, that tight family unit. You know, the you had the grandmother, you had the two sisters, Katie and Brooke. You had the brother Storm, and right. of course the storyline with the father and and everything. And I just thought that was a wonderful start to the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was. You know, it was fun because we we all started the show together, so there was no newcomers at the time. You know. We were all together, and it was fun because we, we did create really good bonds. I mean, I'm still really good friends with Kelly and Ethan, and it's just nice. It was it was a fun um, it was a fun time in my life, definitely.
1: I bet. And you know, you scared uh, shared uh, screen time with um, an actor named uh, Jim Storm, and yes. uh, who played Bill Spencer, uh, Senior. In case anybody's watching now, we have a uh, Junior on, but. Let me tell you, I always couldn't wait to see him appear because he was so intense. (laughs) I mean, he'd come on the screen and he just—you just couldn't stop, you know—looking at him. He's just so intense, and what an interesting situation to have your character and his character, you know, in this unique storyline.
0: Right, right. You know, and he was—he was such a great guy, and I haven't, you know talk to him in I don't know how long, but he was such a great guy, and he was kind of like a little bit of a hippie. He'd bring his guitar to work, and so he wasn't a lot like his character. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not he like Bill Spencer. A really
0: fun, neat guy, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my goodness, that's the oh, opposite.
0: So, so Don Don DeMont plays his son? I thought Don DeMont played him. I, didn't, I don't know.
1: Well, I think that it's his I, long-lost son. I, I, I
0: haven't watched the show at all. It's I his
1: long-lost he lost son, and now. And Jim actually did a videotape when Don first came on Bold and Beautiful where he was leaving, like, all these messages for his son. So uh that's kind of how that all works out. But he has the same name. He has the same ah, name. okay. <laughs> yeah, and what a great actor, though. You know, when an actor can be so different from their actual character, I mean, I think that really says a lot about their talent.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: you know... uh, to think that all these years later, The Bold and the Beautiful is now an international phenomenon, which it has been for, for quite a while now. But boy, to right. work itself up in the ranks, very impressive. But just think, there's some people still on that show that were there when you first started. When you first walked on that know. stage, there's a couple people like this so talented, Catherine Kelly Lang and John McCook. They're still on the show today. I know, it's
0: crazy. I think they're the only original characters left, aren't
1: they? You know what? I think you're I think you're correct about that.
0: Yeah. As, as far
1: as I know. I what? mean we have some recasts of course over time and, and whatnot. Right,
0: right. But,
1: yeah, and there's another lady playing, of course, your part. And um uh have you ever over the years tuned in just to see her work out of curiosity or just never? I haven't.
0: You I haven't. haven't. I haven't. You know, um, between just work and and life and stuff, it's just not something I've kept up with at all. Sure, I hear you know I hear various things through people. You know, I'm friends with certain people. Like I like sure. I said, Kelly and I are still friends. And she'll say, "Oh, Don's on the show now." That was just how I knew he was on. She said he's playing Bill Spencer. She didn't clarify that. So, you know, but um, I just, I haven't tuned in. And I probably would be so lost as far as who's who, oh, sure. and what's what at this
1: point. A lot has happened since you left, Carrie. Let me just tell you that right now.
0: I don't <laughs> doubt it.
1: <laughs> you might need a notebook and a pen and some extra time to catch <clears throat> up. But, uh, yeah, you know what? <clears throat> you know, you made your mark on the show because when I think back to the classic years of the Bold and the Beautiful, one of the fond, fond memories that I have is, is your character. I really, really enjoyed Aww. your character. And uh, I thought you did an excellent job. Thank you. Well, um, to wrap up my thoughts on The Bold and the Beautiful, you know, uh, when you left the show, you know, some people are ready to move on and some people are like, well, this is going to be very difficult, but I feel like I need to. I mean, what was your situation and experience when leaving?
0: Um, I got the lead in a Fox movie of the week that started about two and a half to three weeks after I left Bowman the Beautiful. So I really sort of jumped into that and um, really focused on that and then I made that decision to go over to Rome and um, sort of get away from acting altogether. I've been immersed in it, you know, between neighborhood playhouse Bold and Beautiful. And, you know, then I did two movies a week, actually. And then so with all of that, I had been immersed in acting for six years, and I really needed a break. And so that's when I just hopped over to Rome and started cooking.
1: And so it wasn't necessarily that you were trying to to get away from the Bold and Beautiful experience, you were just needing a break from acting itself.
0: In general, yeah, I really I just needed something else in my life. You know, I needed a break
1: <laughs> well i'm sure they were sad to see you go at the time no doubt about it
0: it was time for me to go you know um i think that it's it's fine for some people if they want to make it like one show their career but for me i definitely at that point i i hadn't decided fully to commit to being a chef but i definitely needed to spread my wings as an actress so it was time it was time.
1: well i i, I actually did uh want to ask you something. I was just thinking as you were talking um, how today in, in the industry, uh, to work on a soap, boy, you've got to be on the top of your game. Uh, some of them don't even really rehearse. They do blocking. They film it a few times. They take the best takes. You've got to be really, really good. So was right. it like that when you were on, or was there more of a rehearsal process? Um, we would have a
0: run-through. It wasn't necessarily rehearsal. We would sort of do a run through, like blocking and run through, and then um, tape. So, it, I, I don't know. Um, I don't really know that you know how most shows work, and I, I uh-huh. certainly don't know how they work. Don't know how they work nowadays. Right.
1: So. <laughs> but I, I've always heard that weddings on soaps are very long uh-huh. days.
0: They're lengthy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it is true. Is, is it a matter well, of they're just trying to get every shot to be as perfect as possible?
0: Exactly. And then, you know, the directors always want to do some, like, montage stuff and <laughs> make it all romantic and blah, blah,
1: blah. <laughs> and you probably heard a few times, okay, let's just do that one more time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now Reset. <laughs> yeah, reset. Uh, it was perfect, but we're still going to do it again, folks. And, you uh, know, I was thinking, uh, you know, obviously with your family uh, being involved with acting, you co-starred with someone on the show, actually played your brother, Storm, uh, who is the son of John Wayne. Correct. Had you known him yes. before you worked together, or w- or was this the first I time did. you met?
0: No, I knew him. I've known him my whole life. Um, when I was about, gosh, four, maybe. My dad did a film or a few films with John Wayne. He did Rio Lobo, Chisholm, and Big Jake. And Big Jake, uh, starred Ethan as Little Jake. And so we were all down in Durango, Mexico for several months while that was being filmed when I was really young. So I've known wow. him my whole life. <laughs>
1: You're not kidding when you say that either, are you? Wow.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. So it's nice. And you know, I still, I, and, Over the course of however many years, I mean, my father did uh, a TV pilot a million years ago um, called Flight to Holocaust, and he and Patrick starred in that, who's Ethan's brother. So we've had interaction with the family pretty much as long as I can remember. Of course, my grandfather did El Dorado with John. So it was. It's been sort of. Our families have had a lot of in-
1: interaction. So it was
0: not a It must <laughs> have been.
1: It must have been a lot of fun. Hey, you guys get to work together, and it probably made you feel comfortable with each other working. Oh my
0: together. gosh, Ethan saved my life. My very first live TV show, in fact. Ethan and I were flown over to uh, Sydney, Australia to do some press for The Bold and the Beautiful. And we got off the plane, and we were taken straight to the studio for Good Morning Australia. And got into makeup, got onto the set, lights, you know, camera action. I start to giggle, and I couldn't even say my name. I was just, every (laughs) time the guy asked me a question, I would start to giggle. And God Uh bless Ethan, you know, he just started talking. He took over the interview and answered all my questions. (laughs) <laughs> i have since gotten a little bit more comfortable with the interview process however well, he really saved my butt that first
1: time <laughs> he helped you get through that one well you're doing an excellent job with this i mean wow you're a wonderful guest i really appreciate it and did you get to travel uh the show being so popular in europe for example in especially italy Uh, it seems like it's very popular over there, the bold and the beautiful. Did you ever get to travel overseas to promote the show?
0: I I mean, I did promotion for the show. I, I was up in Denmark. I, I was in Italy. I was in, you know, Australia, as I just mentioned. They they sent me a few places. But the funny thing was, is I didn't realize how popular The Bold and Beautiful was in Italy. Uh-huh. So when I decided to duck out of L.A. and just get off the grid and go to Italy and cook, I went to the absolute wrong place because I got oh. there and everyone knew who I was.
1: <laughs> I see. I so like, much for a quiet oh, no. getaway.
0: So much, yeah, so much for being obscure.
1: Oh, my gosh. No. Well, I bet that was quite an experience.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs>
1: well, I do have one final question about this show because you worked with this okay. uh, gentleman so much. I feel like I need to to ask you about your experience working with him. And that's, okay. the, that's Brian uh, Genesee, who played Aww. Rocco. What a cool name.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, well, uh, Brian,
0: actually, and I are still friends, believe great. it or not, and he was extremely fun to work with. He I was bet. just, he's a goofball, <laughs> um, and, you know, it's funny because uh, recently I reminded him of a time that I brought him up to my grandparents' house for a party in Montecito, and it was it was an old school party. Jamie Russell was there. Jonathan Winters was there. Steve Martin was there. It was just a lot of the local celebrity guests that my grandparents hung out with. And Brian showed up in a hot pink silk <laughs> suit jacket and pants, like and with his hair going crazy and those blue eyes. He,
1: he had some <laughs> hair, awesome. let me tell you.
0: <laughs> oh yeah he did
1: <laughs> i can just picture that now that's that's very funny
0: it was definitely interesting it was a miracle,
1: actually <laughs> oh, and i i when you say he's funny i can totally believe that because i remember seeing him years later in skin deep with uh john oh, God, Ritter, yeah uh, as the yeah. jealous boyfriend and i was just like wow uh very funny yeah, he's very funny. He is. Well, uh, so we'll get to that moment of uh, deciding to become a you know a chef or start the journey for that. but right. um, I did want to bring up uh, back in 1997 when you worked with um, your grandfather Robert Mitchum. You actually got to work mm-hmm. with him um, on on a, on a project called James Dean: Live Fast, Die Young. So what was right. that Actually, like? We
0: did that project in ninety
1: five. Ninety five, okay, my bad. Ninety
0: five. Yep. Yeah.
1: So you get to um, be on the set with your with your grandfather. Of course you know him very well, but what was that experience like?
0: Um it was fun. You know, I had been on set with him on several occasions, and I actually spent the summer with him when he was doing that championship season, and I was on the set for that whole shoot, and other than that, I'd been for days or a week or two here and there. So, I, I it was very comfortable and familiar, but it was fun. You know, we had sure. a really great relationship, and so I, I just enjoyed hanging out with him, and I enjoyed having him on the set, and I enjoyed the
1: process of, of working on a project together. So that was great. Sure. I bet. And uh, you got to, you know, it's one thing to just be on a set with him or or whatnot, but to actually work on a project together, that had to be very meaningful for you. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what an amazing career. I, I know when I was a little boy growing up, you know, way before, uh, you know, on-demand, you know, growing up in the 80s right. <laughs> and uh, sure, Cinemax, HBO was coming out, but it was a different time because on the weekends, you were at the mercy of what the local television stations were showing. And of course, lots of Westerns, World War Two movies in particular. I saw so many of your grandfather's films uh, at a young oh, age. Yeah, I and I used to look through the TV guide going, oh, boy, I hope Robert Mitchum, you know, there's a movie with him, you know, that's going to be on this weekend. I love the I love the voice I I, 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 I that word scream presence. Uh, I always think he has it. No matter what project he's in, I, I, you have to pay attention to him. And yet, he's pretty cool cat, isn't he? He is. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever yeah. give you any advice on acting? Um.
0: Not really. He basically said, know your lines and don't trip over the cables, you know? <laughs> and um, that was about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I oh, make friends with the cinematographer.
1: That's good advice, actually, when you think about it. You don't want to be tripping over stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, what an impressive <laughs> career. Uh, I have a tremendous respect for him and your family in general. Uh, just an amazing career. I was going to uh, now switch gears to that moment uh, when you're in Rome and you decide to maybe go down a different path. Were you surprised that you came to that uh, decision?
0: No, not at all. Um, you know, I think that there were two two things in my life that were were constants, which was the the movie industry and cooking and food
1: you know right and so
0: I, I think that that I, I mean I am probably the luckiest person on earth I got to do both my careers that both sure. the careers that I wanted to do I was able to do and have success at and so I think that I mean what more could a person possibly ask for
1: <laughs> and uh, what know? did you do your training for you know to, to become a chef
0: yeah yeah definitely and um the thing with Training to become a chef, it's the same thing as training to become an actress. It's You, you can learn all you want in culinary school or in theater school, but once you're out in the trenches, it's a totally different ballgame. Sure. And you just sort of have to learn as you go, you know. And, and I definitely got thrown into some pretty interesting situations. I mean, I did hurricane relief for Katrina, you so know, working in field kitchens, and then I did hurricane relief on three more hurricanes. Um, I've catered films all over the country. I've opened restaurants all over the country and now I'm the executive chef at Santa Barbara City College, which is again a different experience because I've got eight kitchens and ten venues and a lot of uh different things going on. That's it's a different thing from having a restaurant even. So it's a sure. constant it's a constantly changing career, which I love about it. Right. You know, it's um there's always something different and new. And then the food scene is always changing. It's not sure. like a stagnant thing. You don't just make the same thing over and over.
1: <laughs> nope. You got to stay creative and, and, and probably being cutting edge at times and take risks. And, exactly. So, and you uh, can eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and life as a chef. So, you know, boy, how would you describe that?
0: Life as a chef, I think, is probably pretty difficult. I think that, um, for example, you are working every time everyone else in the world is playing or having a vacation. You work holidays. You work weekends. You work late hours. um, You know, 16, 18-hour days is normal. Yes. Um, The kitchen culture is its own. I mean, I learned how to swear proficiently and profusely. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I could swear in a few different languages proficiently and profusely. Um, I'm generally one of the only women, if not the only woman in the kitchen, you know, other than servers. There's usually waitresses and hostesses, but I'm usually the only chef, and um, it's uh, once I worked my way to becoming an executive chef, which which was a pretty quick warp. Quick rise for me. Sure, um, you know it was me and a bunch of guys, and so uh-huh. it's it's um, it's a, it's a very difficult career. I mean, it really is. It's physically demanding. You're working with knives and fire and and hot oil and
1: <laughs> all that <laughs> um, stuff. But yes. it's
0: it's almost like a carnival kind of um, atmosphere because the people you become really close with your kitchen. And yes. you know, I, I, it's very difficult on your your social life, your family life. You know, it's it's not an easy career. Trying to explain your career to someone who's not in the industry is almost impossible. It's like being an actress and trying to date out of the industry. You know, I, right. I picked two really really difficult careers to have a good good stable family life in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. I was just thinking that. Wow, um, so much dedication. That you need to be to, to do either one, and uh, I'd really have a lot of adma- admiration for what you do, not only now and what you did back then, but certainly what you do now. Uh, I think that's very impressive. Um, I only hope I can try one of your dishes one day. That would be Oh, I'm a, sure you
0: will. So. <laughs> that would be a big treat.
1: <laughs> what to order, yeah. what to order. Right. And I thought of an interesting question for you about cooking. Okay. So I'm going to be interested to hear your answer. You know, making all these fancy meals or let's just say really nice meals. I'm sure not all of them are overly exquisite, but, you know, they just need to be really well-prepared and delicious. But guilty pleasures for a chef, in your case, you. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there a certain kind of food that you just like to have that's not on the menu, maybe when you're not at work, that you just really like to have? Okay.
0: So you're going to laugh because... Um uh- oh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because, all right, what do chefs eat when they're not at work? Potato chips and ramen well, yeah, that's pretty much true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, there you go that's funny i was I was thinking I'm wondering what what her guilty uh food pleasure is
0: yeah. <laughs> and you know i I really really um believe strongly in. Uh, healthy food. I believe in non-GMO food. I believe mm-hmm. in unprocessed food. I believe in if you're choosing, if you choose to eat meat, I think it should be sustainably and humanely raised. And, um, I, I have really strong ethics when it comes to food. So sure. I, I am one of those people that actually buys the organic ramen stuff from Whole Foods or, or Lazy Acres or one of the places that sell the, the cheap stuff, you know, sure, I don't buy sure. the, the classic college ramen, even though I love it. I just, I can't <laughs> do that. I can't go there.
1: <laughs> well, I really, uh, admire all of that. And that's a terrific approach to take. I'm sure it reflects on your, <laughs> your, the quality of your food too, taking that kind of approach. And, um, so let me ask you, uh, when it comes to being a chef, I assume that one has to know a, a lot about wines in particular.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely at this job, because it's a college level, particularly the community college level, where most of our students are under the legal drinking age. Uh, the wine pairing has not been an issue, but the last restaurant I was at um, was it, wine was in the name. You know, it was it was known for its wine and uh, prior to that obviously all the restaurants i've been at um whether i own them or just was executive chef wine pairing was really important and also just making sure that that you didn't have food that killed a palate you know so that mm-hmm. people couldn't enjoy their wine so definitely has been a huge part of my career currently it's um on the back burner because i'm cooking for students and right. um, uh it, it but yeah wine is
1: really important when you're making food <laughs> and maybe after work uh after a long day. Yeah, most definitely
0: afterwards. <laughs> that might be sure. where it's really important.
1: Um, um, wow, I am really enjoying all these descriptions of uh life as a as a chef and Uh <laughs> let me let me ask you. So when you tell when you told your family that this was what you wanted to do, I mean, what what kind of reaction did you receive?
0: Um I, my, my grandmothers were thrilled. Um, my maternal grandfather had passed away. Uh, so he wasn't, um, part of that. Bob, I was, you know, I made the decision pretty much around the end of Bob's life. And so Mm -hmm. he wasn't really that, um, much a part of it, but my grandmothers were thrilled actually. I think my 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 father was rather neutral. My mother was thrilled because I was sure. getting out of the the hated film industry. She really has a lot of disdain for the industry in general. And so I think she was thrilled that I was doing something where she felt I was going to be a bit more organic, you know, in life and get away sure. from the sort of superficiality of Hollywood. So I think that it made her quite happy. And I think the, the biggest thing was they were all just happy to see me
1: so happy. Sure. Sure, and you know. Uh do you still receive offers to this day for auditions or projects or Yeah, every now and then anymore?
0: I do and usually when I have a friend who's a director or a producer, they say, There's mm. a role in this for you if you want and I think, sure. Oh my God, are you kidding? I don't ever want to have to go on another diet as long as I live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you know, there's a difference between you know, and again, nothing wrong with trying to be successful in what you do and having a great time, but I, I, I think the actors or artists that are most sincere about their work, they're not really concerned about the fame issue as much. In fact, it doesn't really even mean as much to them as it does to the others. And, uh, um, yeah. I remember when I interviewed you for Holly, Highlight Hollywood uh, a few months ago, uh, I remember I asked you, what do you think your grandfather, Robert, would have to say about the state of Hollywood today? And I remember the answer that you had, that you did not think that he would be very impressed.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I
1: mean, look at it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't really have to explain anything there. <laughs> sure,
1: sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, It's a sorry state of affairs, you know, and the whole reality uh, TV stuff. Phenomena has really—it's—it's it, people are after celebrity and 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 right. financial gain, but it's not an art. People are celebrities for being—I don't know—on yeah. sex tapes or what have you. It's just this sure. pathetic, pathetic state of affairs.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's the focus instead of uh, you know the creation process or the story, yeah. or, or maybe a social uh, so, so social Um yeah, so that's a very interesting uh, uh, thought that you had that, that he would probably have on Hollywood today. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned your hurricane relief work. Um, yeah. You know, what about a dog rescue program? Is that something that you're involved in?
0: Oh, yeah. In <laughs> fact, I am flying. I am take after work on Friday, I'm taking a red eye down to Fort Lauderdale, and I'm picking up a little shih tzu that was thrown away by oh. his previous owner. Uh-huh. And I'm bringing him back to California and placing, I placed him with an incredible mother daughter family. And they have Great. a little shih tzu who's alone because his, his, their other dog died of cancer earlier this summer. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> I, I and then most recently, my own little foster boy Stanley died in my arms. Yes. I mean, it, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. But yes, mm. it's uh, maybe a little bit to the extreme that I'm spending my my day off going to Florida and literally turning around and getting right back on the plane.
1: Um, I personally applaud you. I think that's I think that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I really do. I think that's awesome because, you know. Uh, you know, animals are so defenseless in many cases if they're neglected or not wanted, and it does take someone saying, "You know what? I care enough to to do something to make a difference. So I applaud you for that. yeah
0: and you know it's like i might I can't save them all, but if I can save one one sure. at a time, you know is is I work with a great uh, group down in l a called the Bill Foundation, and they they do such great work i've I've got two dogs through them. And they they try and rescue unadoptable dogs. They rescue seniors. They rescue uh, neglected, abused dogs. And it's just they do great work. And I, I feel the same even with farm animals, because I choose not to eat, you know, factory factory farmed meat. Maybe uh-huh. maybe over the lifetime, I save one pig, one cow, whatever it is sure. that I'm choosing not to participate in, makes a difference in in the animal welfare of however many animals. So. Little by
1: little, <laughs> that's right. Every, every little thing that one does makes a big difference. Um, yeah, so, so that's wonderful. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, because of your, you know, your own past experience with acting, and of course, your family's connection. But you know, you're a fine actress all on your own. Uh, have you been approached for a reality program, or have you actually thought of that? Uh, as far as cooking goes, just cooking, like maybe your own cooking. Show? Um,
0: I've been over the over the years approach. Like this when reality T V started happening, I've been sure. approached since then at various times. I'm working with um a great woman, Marjorie Lewis, to put together um a really cool concept for a cooking show. So that's fun. And she, she's got some really good sort of wherewithal in, in that she was she was uh with Bravo for top chef and she's doing another show with them now and so she she's i'm letting her handle the details of that gotcha. it's going to be a really fun format where i interview people and then we do um we do we cook so it'll be hey, fun great. i'm looking forward well to that. if you
1: need somebody yeah. that doesn't cook well except for maybe spaghetti <laughs> give me a call okay i'm your man well
0: if you <laughs> eat well that's all we need oh right? <laughs> my goodness
1: look no further um,
0: there
1: you go. Well, uh, we're winding down here, so I definitely want to get to something very, very special uh, when it comes to uh, an event that's coming up in September for your family. And oh, yeah. um And the listeners out there probably do not know this. This is the first time I'm mentioning this, but I'll be brief so I can let you uh, describe everything. But in a few okay. weeks, I will have your cousin Cindy Mitchum on. So, what's better than one Mitchum? I say two Mitchums. So I'm very, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. And she's been, oh boy, she's just been wonderful to communicate with and get to know. Uh, but her father, which was Robert's uh, brother, uh, yeah. was wow, what an accomplished actor, character actor. I mean, tons of work over the years. And there's a special event because he wrote poetry. And why don't you take it from there?
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah, my Uncle John wrote um, a lot of poetry, and over the years, my cousin Cindy has been having um, various people from Bobby Duvall, Ernie Borgnine, through Western stars, through uh, music people. Um, read his poems. She's gone into the studio and had them do dramatic sort of readings of his poetry, and she's compiled a two disc CD set of this work. And it has, she's been working on this, gosh, well, a long time. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she's very um, passionate about it. She, she really wants to get this out there.
0: Yeah, she does. And so she's having this cool event, uh, in September on the 4th at Paramount Ranch and it's going to be the debut of the CD. I haven't heard it yet, and um, it's going to be kind of a cool thing because I, I, I guess, you know, she'll be able to tell you more about the venue, but sure. I know that it, there's going to be food, and a lot of people that actually oh, yes. contributed to this CD are going to be there. So it's going to be just a really nice time to celebrate John's life and also to see all these people that contributed and worked so hard on this. Uh, I am looking forward
1: to it. And, and you know, Carrie, uh, and you're right. I mean, she's got, boy, now she can describe everything about it, obviously, because she's so involved. But like you said, so many amazing people in the industry that go back decades, the earlier years of yeah. Hollywood, the classic years, you know, you know, really talented people that made an impact at a different time. And when she started rolling out these names, I was just blown away. And I have to tell you, Carrie, she sent me two small samples. And I literally Aww. had chills. I knew it was gonna be great. I mean that was my expectations, but oh my goodness. I, I can't say it enough. It was absolutely outstanding. I actually write poetry on this you know, on the side as something I like to do f- yeah. for fun. And you know what? When I listened to you know, t- to his poetry, I really knew I had to start stepping up my game because wow, it Aww. was incredible. That's neat. And I can't wait to get the CD. Okay. Just so you know, when it comes out, I'm going to be getting it. So um, Right on. <laughs> and you know, isn't it interesting, Carrie, you, you look at your uncle and you go, and I mean this in a in a good way, but sometimes when people write poetry, you may have a certain image in mind, you know, like right. he's a poet, you know, he looks like this, but you know, right. I, I look at your uncle and I, I don't, that would not be the first thing that came to my mind is that He's a poet. <laughs> right.
0: And, well, Bob wrote a lot of poetry, too. So it's funny because neither one of them looks quite like a poet. Wow. You know?
1: <laughs> Right. Definitely not. And I know that Cindy said that he used to write, like, almost every day uh, when he could. and um, And she's really proud to release this. And I'm proud to help yes. get the story out. Uh, I'm actually doing a special article on his career. I don't know if she's told you. Uh, um, oh, yep. I'm going to save it for close to the event for, it'll be on Highlight Hollywood. And I also interviewed her for the magazine and like I did for you a couple months ago. Yeah. So I'm really proud to, in my own small way to show respect to a man that certainly deserves it and it sounded like That's a so great cool. guy. Yeah, he
0: was pretty cool. <laughs>
1: I bet, I bet. Well, as you look uh, into the future, you know, um, after you've accomplished so much, I mean, when you look down the road, what are you hoping to be a part of next? Um,
0: I'm thinking sure. that probably balancing a little bit of personal life in with with ambition is probably kind of good for the soul.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you, I've already kind of touched on this, but... I'll take a different angle. Let's just say, hypothetically, this might be a big okay. hypothetically situation, but let's just say down the road someone offered you maybe a character role or something, but it was something meaningful or something that you were like, oh, okay, this is different. And it was maybe, you know, something that was just like a couple days of filming. Would you ever step back in front of the camera or are you pretty much done?
0: You know, I, I probably would. I didn't think the answer to that would be yes, but I think, and I, and I think that the biggest thing has always been, you know, as, as a chef, my ambition has been so strong that I didn't really think that I would want to take any time off to do that. It, it was going backwards, but I think, you know, I think, I think tempering myself a little bit and maybe not working 16, 18 hours a day, (laughs) six or seven days a week, and and maybe doing a few other things, including having a personal life. I think it's probably what's in the
1: cards for me. Well, that's a great answer. And as we are down here to the the final minute, I just wanted to thank you for being a guest on the show. Oh, uh, thank you. Oh, no problem at all. I, I hope you will come back someday. We can talk. Absolutely. That's right. We can talk some more, maybe talk about the uh, special event in September or, or maybe a, a new event in your life. So you're always welcome to come back. And I personally consider this an honor having you on the show uh, for all kinds of reasons. So I thank you so much. Thank you.
0: It was really nice to be able to sit and talk with you.
1: Oh, thank you. And who knows? Maybe I'll be able to interview for a third time. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) I've got
0: something really cool going on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the final moments, and we talked right up to the end because uh, there was a lot to talk about with this special lady. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for listening, and I hope that you will tune in next week to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you so much, and have a good night. Hi, this is Stephen. Be sure to visit Hollywood and Beyond on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for guest and show news, including exclusive photos, promos, trailers, as well as additional guest and show news. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the pages so that we can keep in touch with each other. Hollywood and Beyond, your home for meaningful interviews.